Let's pray. Father, I have an insurmountable task this morning. I must speak to people that's from ages 18 to 81. I must speak, I must speak to people that have all kind of backgrounds. Some are raised Pentecostal. Some are raised Baptist, Methodist, Presbyterian. I must speak to people that some of them want me to finish in 20 minutes and some don't care if I go an hour. I, I, I must speak to people that some of them want me to preach loud and some of them want me to preach soft. I, I, I got to speak to people, Lord, that have a high school education and some have a master's degree. Lord, I have an insurmountable task this morning. And yet somehow your word is the central magnet that draws us all together. I thank you for that. I thank you for helping us, dear God, no matter our environment, no matter, dear God, whether we've got to go home with peace and quietness or go home with a fuss, no matter what we've done this morning or got to do this afternoon and this coming week, Lord, you're able for these few moments through your Holy Spirit, to do a work that nothing else can do and that speak the living word to our hearts. Do that. For it's in Christ's name we pray. Amen. John chapter 4, verses 46 through 54. So Jesus came again to Cana of Galilee where he had made the water wine and there was a certain nobleman whose son was sick at Capernaum. When he heard that Jesus had come out of Judea into Galilee, he went to him and implored him to come down and heal his son, for he was at the point of death. Then Jesus said to him, Unless you people see signs and wonders, you will by no means believe. The nobleman said to him, Sir, Come down before my child dies. Jesus said to him, Go your way, your son lives. So the man believed the word that Jesus spoke to him. And he went his way. And as he was now going down, his servants met him and told him, saying, Your son lives. Then he inquired of them the hour when he got better. And they said to him yesterday, at the seventh hour, the fever left him. So the father knew that it was the same hour in which Jesus said to him, your son lives. And he himself believed and the whole household. This again is the second sign Jesus did when he had come out of Judea into Galilee. If you do not have an outline of the sermon, please raise your hand. I would really like for you to have one because we're going to be looking at the introduction, which is very informative. The introduction is so important. Look at it with me, if you will. Now, here is the nobleman. Here is a royal official of Capernaum. Notice the introduction. This is the second of seven signs in John. The first three signs. Now, this is from Warren <clears throat> Wearsby, just a great uh, drawing together of these seven miracles or these seven signs. The first three signs show how a person is saved. Salvation through the word, 
We talked about that last, water to wine, saved by not only the word, but by faith. And this is the one as we are looking at the healing of the nobleman's son. And then the next miracle or sign that we'll cover is saved by grace. So we're saved by the word, we're saved by faith, and we are saved by, certainly, by grace. Now the last four signs show the results of salvation. Not necessarily about how to be saved, but the results of salvation. First, we have the feeding of the 5,000, which indicates satisfaction. Second of all, the stealing of the storm, which indicates the peace that the believer certainly can enjoy. And then we have the healing of the blind man, which reveals that we can have the light that Jesus Christ provides for us. And then last is the raising of of the man Lazarus, which speaks of none other than life itself. Christianity is a walk of faith. We're going to look here at this message. God does not respond when we demand evidence that will make it easy for us to believe. That will make it easy for us to believe. If I would see nothing else this morning, Betty Matthews walking down that aisle with her walker, taking communion, I could have said, I'm going to go home. I'm satisfied. Because, Betty, you blessed me by coming down and taking. It wasn't easy for her to take those two elements, but she did it. And sometimes, folks, it's not easy to get maybe where we want to get, but it's important that we get there. It's important that we obey the Lord. Instead, God invites us to believe And then he responds by presenting himself in our lives. The royal official provides an example that we must follow. Three things I want you to notice during this study. First of all is God's presence. Second of all is God's promises. And third of all is God's power. God's presence, God's promises, and God's power. Let's look, if you will, at the nobleman. This is much about him. He is very, very involved in these scriptures. First of all, he was a royal official, a dignitary. By his title, this man served a king either in a civil or a military capacity. He probably was of the court of Herod Atipus. And he was of the royal family. So he was a busy man. He was a very important man. And yet, 20 miles away from Cana, there in Capernaum, he heard that Jesus had come back to Cana. He didn't have a Rolls Royce or a Mercedes or a Nissan. He didn't have a car to drive. He didn't. He had to walk 20 miles. Start out, think, think about this. What if you got ready today to get, go to the other side of Raleigh and you walk that distance? Wow. It was not easy. The, ter- the terrain was very challenging. And yet this, this nobleman heard that Jesus was in Cana of Galilee and said, I want to be in his presence. I want to be in his presence. There's something about being in the presence of Almighty God that will change your and my life. 
in my preteen years, in my teen years, as I grew up in church, of course, back then we had church on Sunday morning, Sunday night, and Wednesday night. Often during our church attendance, there would be such an outpouring of the Holy Spirit until people would weep. I'm talking about the whole congregation would begin to weep almost, almost uncontrollably. And especially those times would happen on Sunday evening. And when that would happen, the presence of God was so real until people went to one another and they hugged each other's necks and they wept on each other's shoulder. This was brought on by the moving and the manifestation of the Spirit of God. I don't know. I don't know whether we see that that much anymore. It bothers me, and I begin to pray about that, and I said, Lord, what's going on? Why? Why don't we see that kind of manifestation by the Spirit of God? Why don't we see people weeping today as we did years ago? Why don't we see them asking forgiveness? There were times during these special services that there were people that had something against someone else. They were at odds with each other. Maybe one side of the room would not, or the pews would not go to the other side. But when that would happen, it would break down all walls, all resistance, all hard feelings, all the bitterness, and it just was washed out of your life. I'm telling you something that's, that was real, and it's still real. And as I prayed lately, Lord, can we have this? And I began to notice on Friday night when we'd come to pray. Now, when we come to pray on Friday night, we just don't pray the whole hour. Someone says, I can't talk a whole hour. Nobody talks a whole hour. But the lights are dim and the music is playing softly. And you're seeing people sitting around on this pew. And later on, you see them back at the back and they're sitting on that pew or the back pew. Or they're kneeling between the pews praying. And for the last Friday nights, I have prayed before God. And I have sensed that same washing, that same cleansing, that same refreshing. There's nothing like it. I love to speak in tongues. When I was younger, I liked the dance. I don't dance too much because I'm older now. But there's nothing wrong with dancing. And I love to do all of that, the all kind of great manifestation. But there is nothing like having the cleansing power and spirit of God to flush out all the things that is wrong in your life. I'm seeing that on Friday night. Someone says, Brother Don, I can't get there on Friday night. We may not get there on Friday night, but we, we, we must during the week. We must spend some time before and in the presence of God to be cleansed by the power of God. If there ever was a time we needed that, it's today. We're bombarded by television, by radio, by all kind of things, by print, all kind of things that clogs out the Spirit of God. But when the Holy Spirit begins to be poured out, I love that word, when it begins to be poured out into our lives, it flushes out all that stuff. Brother Don, that's just an emotional, it's more than just an emotional feeling. It's a cleansing feeling. It's 
It's as Acts says, it's a refreshing. You breathe deeper. You see things different. You walk lighter. You put a smile on your face and you look around and you see people different. You see the world different. I challenge you during the week to get before God. As this man did, he had to go 17 to 20 miles to get in the presence of Jesus. But he didn't care about the terrain and the mountains. He didn't care about the walking. He says, I want to get to where Jesus is. And there's something about being with people that does good. You know, I, I can get in my little Volkswagen and I can go to the mountains by myself and I can enjoy. I could get me one of those pork chop sandwiches there at Mayberry and I can enjoy it. But I'd rather have my family with me. I'd rather look over and see Carol sitting over on the passenger side. It's a whole lot more enjoyable trip. And you see, we're family. And we can get along and we can pray by ourselves, but I'd rather have the family with me. I like to pray with the family. That's the reason the lady said, let's all of us get together and get in that nice new bus and let's go to Selma. Now, they could go down there by themselves, but they like the family to go down. And that's the way it is in prayer. Oh, it's good to pray in your private closet. It's good to pray along. But there's nothing like getting together with brothers and sisters. We got in the prayer prayer room this morning, and I heard this one praying, and that one praying, and this one speaking in tongues, and they got louder and louder. Brother Don, did that disturb you? No, it just ignited my fire. There's something about praying and being with the family in the presence of God. It does wonders for you. No wonder so many people are weak during the week. No wonder so many people are weak when it comes to their relationship with Jesus Christ. They don't cultivate a relationship with Christ. You know, my, I love my wife and I, I want to be with her, but I've got to cultivate a relationship with her. I've got to do things. I sat down next to her yesterday over to my daughter's house, and when I sat down, she began to rub my back. I said, boy, that sure does feel good. It felt good for her to do something, to touch me. And it means a lot when you're with the family. We can isolate ourselves. You know what I've noticed over the years? People get in trouble, and they won't go to church. They do the very thing that the devil wants them to do. The devil wants you to isolate yourself. Pull down the shade. Get in the bed and cover up your head and don't let no one be around you because I don't want to be around anybody. I want you to know something. You need to pull up the shade, not let down the shade. You need to get out of that bed. You need to quit covering up your head. You need to face the world and say, God Almighty, I want to be with my brother. I want to be with my sister. I want them to strengthen me and I want to strengthen them. This man says, I want to be where Jesus is. And he won't in Capernaum. All the politics in Capernaum ain't going to touch his son. All the hospitals and doctors in Capernaum ain't going to heal his son. He got to get to Cana. 
He got to get to where Jesus is. He said, I'm going to get to where Jesus is. Now, we can't get to where Jesus is physically today, but we can spiritually. Snuggle up to him. Snuggle up to him. I sat here last Friday night, and I began to weep, and I began to weep, and I began to weep. And I felt like I was walking on a cloud. How long has it been since you walked on the cloud? How long has it been since the presence and the joy of the Lord has bubbled up in you? Release it. Brother Don, I'm just not the emotional type. Well, it's time we get emotional for Jesus. Now, emotions is not going to save you. Emotions is not going to carry you down the road. But I'll tell you what it does. It encourages you. It helps you. It blesses you. This man said, I want to get to where Jesus was. His needs confronted him. His needs were desperate. His son. Think about your son. Think about your daughter. Think about your, your, your mom, your dad. Think about your brother or sister, your loved one. His son was sick unto death he was about to die no doubt he thought this unless I get to Jesus he is going to die he had to go a journeys a journey away from his son he didn't get he didn't get to sit by his bedside in case I want to be there when the last breath is drawn he said I'm going to leave my son right here I'm going to get up if it's hard if it's not easy, if I'm fighting every obstacle that there is, I'm going to get up. I'm going to leave my son. I'm going to walk 17 to 20 miles to this man called Jesus. It's time for our needs to drive us to God rather than away from him. Let me say it again. It's time for our needs to drive us to God rather than away from him. We get angry at God. We question God. We blame God. Run towards him. Stop blaming him. Run towards him. His needs. The greatest men must go themselves to God and be back. I've been praying for 19 years with DMIP, Durham Ministers in prayer, and several of those brethren have been begging God. And I've always felt a little uncomfortable with that. I thought to myself, we shouldn't beg God. I, I'm going to tell you, I've repented over that. This man, the King James said, implored God, Jesus. That word, and I looked in the NIV, I looked in the, the King James, I mean the, uh, the Amplified. All tra- he begged him. You get desperate enough, you beg. It doesn't matter if you're an official in Herod's a capital doesn't matter who you are doesn't matter you are if you let your needs drive you to Jesus Christ it will make a difference in your life this is how the work of grace begins in the heart of men when we are brought into a place of urgent need when 9-11 happened, the churches filled up. Didn't take long for it to dwindle away, but it did that 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 caused people to think. And I'm not meaning to be negative, but I wouldn't be surprised if something else going to happen. America's thumbed her nose up at God. 
forgotten God, flaunted her immorality enough. But we need to let our needs drive us to Jesus. He heard undoubtedly the abilities of Jesus were known to this official. We must not turn a deaf ear to God's message. Are you hearing today? He heard. Don't count this message as foolish. Don't count God's speaking as foolishness. Take that message to heart. No matter who it comes from. Well, I didn't like the messenger. We don't get to choose the messenger sometimes. I didn't like that it was a woman, okay. He didn't have good English, okay. You know, we can find all kinds of excuses with the messenger, but you better believe the message. You better accept the message if it comes from a donkey. This man knew what he needed, and we must, he heard. And then he went, he traveled. As I said, it was a day's journey. His son was sick. Though he had a high position, though he was somebody, he knew the king. He didn't let pride stop him from going to Jesus. Often God speaks to our hearts during the service. Often God speaks to our hearts and we sit in our seat. I ain't moving, we grip it. I'm not going to that altar. I'd run to the altar. I remember the day, listen to this. I remember the days when people literally ran to the altar. How long has it been since you've seen someone run to the altar? Don't hesitate. Don't let pride keep you from receiving from God. Somebody's going to say something about you. They're going to think, so. who cares what they think? It's what Jesus knows about us, not what people think about us. He went. The man begged, and he kept on begging. He had a desperate insistence. Jesus said something to him. I I don't know how to take it. I'm going to be really honest with you. Because I've read Dake about it, and I've read other commentators about it. Jesus said, unless you people see signs and wonders, you will by no means believe. Dake said, we need to see signs and wonders. And he was just telling people need to see. You know, the Jews... uh, sought for signs and the Gentiles, even the Galileans or or, or even the uh, other non-Jewish people, they believe. I I don't think God wants, because this is is the message that God has had me on for the last uh, couple of weeks and and will have me on for the next uh, five on these miracles. We need to understand the message behind the miracle, but we don't need to focus necessarily, primarily on the miracle. That's very, very important. The Jews required signs and miracles to be wrought in order for the confirmation of Jesus Christ. But Jesus is saying we need to go beyond the signs and miracles. He wasn't necessarily putting the guy down. He wasn't necessarily putting him down. The Bible says the man believed. Now I want you to notice something here that is very, very important. 
And as he was, uh, so the man believed the word that Jesus spoke to him and he went, he, he believed the promise of God. Church, let's believe the promises of God. Stand on the promise. Believe the promise. Now, let me, let me read on because it's very important. He went his way. Now, when he met the people that was at his house, that was sitting with his son that was sick, when he met them on the way, he inquired of them, what time was it that my son was healed? They said, one o'clock yesterday afternoon. Then it makes me think. It was a day's journey back to Capernaum, maybe a little bit less. And yet, these people that reported the son's healing said it happened yesterday, about one o'clock yesterday. Where's the time gone? Why didn't it, why didn't it say today? Why did it say yesterday? Because I don't believe that man if he doubted Jesus, would have waited one minute to get back to his son. If it took traveling all night, if it traveled, whatever. But they said it happened yesterday. You know, he was an official of that area. This man was. I believe, this is just my belief, I believe that he had so much confidence that Jesus' word had come to pass, he didn't hurry back home. He had other things to tend to. He probably went and dealt with some more things because there was a day's difference there. He believed. The Bible says, and as he was going, his servants met him and told him, saying, Your son lives. Then he inquired of them the hour when he got better. And they said, Yesterday at the seventh hour the fever left him. So the father knew that it was the same hour in which Jesus said to him, Your son lives. Now notice the next scripture. And he himself believed and his whole household The translation says there, if you read the Amplified, he believed in Jesus. The first believing was in his word. The second believing was in Jesus Christ. In other words, he had to get to a salvation faith in God. And that's where Jesus was going. He was saying, yes, your son's important. Yes, healing is important. But let me tell you the most important thing is that you believe in Jesus Christ. Not just, just don't believe the Bible, and we do believe the Bible, but you believe in Jesus Christ himself. And he did. He believed in Christ. The man believed. He believed in what Jesus said, John 5, up 450, and he and his household, household believed in Jesus, John 453, he had to believe in Jesus to be saved. Let me tell you something. Your healing, your son's healing, your family's healing, healing is so important, but it's not as important as the healing of a soul as knowing Jesus Christ. Isn't that wonderful? And that's what we want to see. I want to see people saved in this church. I want to see people saved, and they are. They are. 
These people are going out the Horton Road and, and they're going and, and then Angela, she goes out and then Jeremy come in early this morning and he gets that van and he goes and picks them up. And, and Lord, help us to reach out that people might be saved. That's what it's so, I don't want to forget that. I don't want to forget where I am. I don't, I don't want to forget the most important thing in this church is to not Don Westbrook to preach or to feel good and then just to hear the singing. The most important thing in this church is that individual lives will be changed through and by salvation in Jesus Christ. That's it. Whether it's in the prison ministry, whether it's in Nicaragua, whether it's in, uh, down in, in, in Haiti, whether it's in India or whether it's Horton Road or whether it's across the street. We need to see people here. I'm closing as they come. Brother Matt, could y'all sing that song? I know we're shorthanded with people being gone. Uh, Joe Naughton's song, where you learned. Would you, would you pull that up for us? I love that song. When I first heard that song, it didn't do a whole lot for me. But the more they sung it, the more it blessed me. Amen. Notice with me now. Notice your, notice your notes. Lessons on faith. True faith always results in direct action. If you believe God, act on it. Let me ask you ladies something. If you knew that there was 15 people coming to your house for dinner and you thought it was going to be five, and yet you found out at the last minute 15 people were going to come and they expected a three-course meal. How would you feel? You'd probably whip up on your husband that got them. No, no. What I'm saying is that can you imagine Jesus telling his disciples when there were 5,000-plus people can you imagine Jesus saying to them, now I want you to get them to sit down in groups on, these grass, on this grass. You want us to do what? Because we're going to feed them. You're going to do what? Can you imagine the faith it took those disciples to obey Jesus and had them, those people, those 5,000 plus people to sit down in groups? The faith that it took. Jesus is, he wants us to, he wants us to take a step of faith. And throughout the scripture, throughout the scripture, over and over and over again, the message we just preached on the water into wine. Can you imagine those servants that had 180 gallons of water? And this man says, pour it out and you'll see wine. Can you imagine them scratching their head? You want us to do what? Just pour it out. Just be obedient to Jesus. One of the signs of faith is obedience. Step out in faith, believe in God. Stop allowing hindrances. Stop allowing hindrances to stop you from obeying God. Let me tell you something. I was listening yesterday to a very well-known preacher on radio very well known he was saying the miracles and the signs they stopped with the early church he was saying that the early church needed these miracles 
in its origin. But now we don't need these miracles. The early church needed the gifts of the Spirit to operate in, the gifts of healing and all the gifts. But now we don't. We, don't. we, we have the Word of God. Let me ask you something. And I've thought about this ever since I heard him say that. I thought about this. Listen, there's nothing like salvation. Nothing. But, but can you imagine all we've got to offer people today is just salvation? That's the reason so many churches are dead. Because a lot of these churches, they, they don't believe in the signs and the wonders and the miracles, the gifts of the Spirit the moving of the Spirit, like in Acts. They don't believe in speaking in tongues and the power of God like the, the Acts did. They don't believe in that. And then by the millions, they believe if you, if you get saved, no matter what you do after you get saved, you're still saved. Now, don't you get mad at me. So if there are no signs and wonders and miracles, and all you got to go down, do is go down to get saved one time, then you can just walk away. And when Jesus comes or you die, you're going to heaven. What's going to happen between all of that? What does the church have to offer? And that's the reason the church don't have a lot to offer the world today. And I fight against that. You fight against that. Don't you listen to that false doctrine. The signs are still real. You say, well, sister so-and-so, brother so-and-so, they've been prayed for so many times and it just don't happen. Speak to Brother Junius before you leave today. Speak to Juanita. Where did you, she's, you speak to Juanita. It just happened to her. And many of the other people. God's spirit is still moving today just like he always has. Can you say amen?